This is Jordan with Business in Esports, where we bring the business side of esports to you. This is a brand new podcast where we'll discuss any hot and upcoming topic from a business perspective in terms of investments, revenue growth, uh, upcoming summits, and upcoming conferences that you may be interested in. And we'll be releasing this podcast every Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, each episode will be in from 5 to 15 minutes, looking at various aspects. Some of the episodes will be commentary by myself, as well as several interview guests. And today, for our first episode, I want to talk about esports from a very high level in terms of revenue growth. So, when going back to 2015, it was hovering about $300 million per year. And since then, we've con- continued to see uh, double-digit percentage growth, you know, 50, over 50%, 40%, and then 30% revenue growth. Uh, year on year, uh, from 2015 to 2016, jumped almost 500 million, then almost to 700 million, uh, and that includes media rights, advertising, sponsorship, merchandise. And the reason that this is so important is that this shows two things: one, the growth is massive and it doesn't show any sign of slowing down. But two, and which is even more important, is that this is truly a startup industry. Now, esports have been around for a long time, going back. Uh, really back to the 80s and if you look at uh, Atari's Pong game you know that could really be considered the very first esports game uh, because when you look at it it's about competition right and that's what defines an esport is 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 there competition and is it an electronic game now when you compare that with the audience growth which is an even more interesting aspect in 2015 there was about 115 million viewers uh, within or really fans of esports, and going to 2016 and went to 161, and in 2017 to 194. Now that's about 36 percent, and then a 20 percent growth. So not quite as aggressive as revenue, but still very very impressive. Now this shows two sides: one, the audience is growing, which is obvious, and the second side is that people are starting to spend more within the industry. Great statistic I saw the other day is that only 50 cents is spent on the average fan within esports, while the average fan of a traditional sport is closer to $70. So there is a massive disparity between the two different types of spenders. And as a result, there is a need for a way to enhance that spending from other consumers within the marketplace. Now, if you look at it from a geographical perspective, China obviously has the largest amount of spend uh, within esports. And believe it or not, the United States is a close second, followed by South Korea. What I think you're going to see is that as the industry continues to grow and as more high schools are starting to pick up onto this, onto this industry, you're going to start to see more and more spend because as those people who play in high schools competitively start to grow up and start to have careers over their own and have to have to start getting into the workforce, they're going to have more discretionary spend, which is going to be extremely important in terms of revenue growth, not just from a merchandising perspective, but also from a ticket sales growth. Uh, the With the average ticket sales price for an event being far, far lower than a traditional sports game, there is a large opportunity for people to really capitalize on that. When you look at the some of these price purses as well, there is still a huge disparity. Now it's you know you're you're seeing probably upward fifteen twenty million dollar purses uh, being sent out for some of these uh, for for Dota and for League of Legends and a few other games as well. Very large 
prize purses being uh, paid out. But it's once again, it's still just a fraction of of what a traditional sport is uh, being is being uh, used in terms of actual payout. Now, when you're looking at you know someone like Peyton Manning, you know he's he's getting a you know multi million dollar multi year agreement, and it'll be interesting to see how that's getting evolved because one of the largest differences within esports is that. There is not a traditional sense of architecture in terms of sports ownership. So like Riot Games is an example, right? They are a game publisher. They also have teams. They also host events. So they really play into multiple aspects of the esports industry and the total – really the entire ecosystem and how it plays out. Now, in comparison to traditional esports, you will continue to see – uh, more teams starting to come about. I think you'll definitely start to see this model evolve. And I think the type of people you should really be looking after are not necessarily the ones that are uh, focused on publishing games because obviously they have a lot of power, a lot of really unique uh, ways of being able to control uh, not only the game but as well as what the viewers see. But I think you should really start to take a look at some of those startups that are focusing on the consumer uh, interaction, whether that be uh, data collection or whether that be a platform for social media, so on and so forth. And I think those are the type of companies that you're really going to see start to take off and then get acquired by some of the larger organizations such as Blizzard or Riot and so on and so forth. Well, that's the end of today's episode. As I mentioned, this is our first episode that we will be releasing today. Uh, then we will also be releasing a, our second episode on Thursday. Please be sure to subscribe and follow uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And this is Jordan. Talk to you soon.